<laughs> Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Completely Machinima podcast and video. Uh, this is January 2022 films uh, section. Uh, we're really happy to be back for our second season with our... Uh, we've learned a lot from the first season. We really enjoy it. Um, this year, we're going to make a few small changes. We're going to be... Um, uh, and it, we're, obviously, we're going to be doing video because uh, we have a YouTube video channel uh, and we're recording this one. Uh, we combine news and discussion uh, in our previous uh, podcast. And we're also going to be putting a little bit of fo- more focus on some of the uh, practical aspects of machinima. I want to do one on sound and uh, a writing uh, story. And we uh, ask you if you were interested in things for us to cover, please contact us uh, at completelymachinima.com. You'll see various ways to connect with us uh, for suggestions for things to cover. So with that out of the way, uh, we're doing my favorite part of our podcast, which is the film section. We always find the most interesting films, and I'm always happy to watch and uh, talk about them with my fellow podcasters, which include Damien, who is an excellent uh, podcaster, has been a good friend for many years. Hi, Damien. Hello. And Phil Rice, um, one of the giants of machinima, although he's really not that tall. But he, he, <laughs> I've he's lost really a good. lot of weight in the yeah. last few years, I'll have you know. He yeah. has. Welcome, <laughs> Phil. And Tracy Harwood, the author of a, a books on uh, machinima and uh, one of the historians of the machinima movement and a fascinating conversationalist. Hi, Tracy. Hello. All right, let's get right to it. I uh, chose two films uh, um, this month. Uh, Gorak's Guide to World of Warcraft Classic, the three-year anniversary. Um, Gorak has uh, had a long series of uh, machinima created in World of Warcraft. I happened to pick up this uh, 33-year anniversary, and I thought it was just marvelous. Um, It shows how smart writing, smart editing, and um, careful uh, cinematography uh, can come together to create a very funny episode. I usually don't care for World of Warcraft uh, machinima. I'm not sure why. It's just a personal preference, but boy, I sure like this one. What did you guys think? I thought that this was uh, the least World of Warcraft World of Warcraft machinima I've ever seen. By that I mean, it didn't matter that I don't have uh, like a heartfelt connection to WoW and that I didn't play it this was just a really good cartoon. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It, and I don't mean cartoon in the, in the dismissive or derogatory way. I mean that this was about, you know, this, this character and these very wonderfully timed animations. Mm-hmm. I, my favorite segment of the whole thing is the opening where he, the character is there reading this paper and something's going on around him and just the, the timing and they, they they just carefully crafted little movements and and you know jerky at times, but playing it for humor is just wonderful. Like I I didn't care what it was made with. I was like in, in any engine, that is some real craft and skill being shown there. And yeah, uh, yeah it was extremely effective. Uh, loved it. Yeah. Loved it. Well, I mean, it was it's clearly an in-game 
celebration like like so many others on the end of a kind of the era of wow classic and the beginning of this new version of the the game burning crusade so 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 it's um kind of a commentary on that as well um and a, and an homage really to classic wow and the values and and i suppose really the character is reflecting on what is an orc going to do next in this case? <laughs> uh, taking a holiday seems to be far more interesting than, than battling the horde. And I, I thought that was very well done. So, yeah, yeah. enjoyed it. Yeah. Damien? Um, I came away with two thoughts on this. One was how did they actually make it? Because it looks like something that obviously it's got the, the orc character and it looks like, well, the Warcraft, the actual visuals to it. But I don't know how they actually animated the character to do those. I wondered things. the same thing, Damien. Yeah. yeah, it does. <laughs> it looks it, it because it's so detailed. That's not something you typically see in a WoW machinima. No, it's just no. not because it, they're limited to what they can get those characters to do. So, yeah, I'm curious about that. Yeah, and the other thing which I really enjoyed was it's kind of a nostalgic thing with it because it's mm. the way it's the kind of machinima that you'd expect to be made about ten years ago. Yes. Um, a bit like the um, Star Wars one I chose last month, the, the Christmas mm-hmm. one. Um, yeah. It's kind of got that same sort of feel to it. Not, yeah. not the Christmas theme or Star Wars theme, but the, just the, the style of the, the way it's made and the, the, yeah. the humor of it. And I really enjoyed that too, because you don't see too many of those. At least I don't come across too many Mishima uh, films like that anymore. Yeah, so, um, I, yeah I, I, I agree. I chose it. Well, because it's entertaining, but also it fits a theme that I'm going to be looking at through 2022, which is the combination of content and form, the the production and the story. The story of this thing perfectly fit the production values and the editing. In fact, that was the spine of the whole thing. And it made it even funnier because the dialogue was just so witty. Mm-hmm. Um, so much of comedy... Um, not just in machinima, but in, in general culture in, in general, um, it tends to be towards the sophomoric and it plays to the sort of, I don't know, younger uh, age where a fart joke is still funny. You know, I suppose as you get older, fart jokes still can be funny, but generally they're not. The, you know, you want something that's a little bit more sophisticated in you. Yeah, exactly. More yeah. sophisticated, well, more. We'll, we'll more agree character. to disagree. Right. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> that that big fart joke in Obit was really great when they're yes. at the when they're yes. at the funeral and there's this long, <laughs> slow exhalation. Yeah, I got. I just was hilarious. Uh, but but that's my problem with comedy in general. It's just that it just goes to the sophomoric and the lowest common denominator. Now, some people, that's fine, but I have a trouble with it. And so I was delighted to come across uh, such an interesting short film that was funny and witty. It used language. Um, it had great expressive animation. And I'm curious, maybe we can... I'll do a little effort to see if I can find out more about how they actually did the animation. Mm-hmm. on that because i was curious too okay my second film is a full-length film shot in uh grand theft auto it's a horror film and it's called confined and i chose it not necessarily because it was a great film because it's not but 
because it, I wanted to talk, use it to talk about something that I think has been a problem in machinima since the early days, and that's the overemphasis on the uh, visuals, the production side of it, and the little regard paid to the story side of it. Uh, Confine is a perfect example of that in which there's these vast and, and occasionally quite beautiful poetic scenes shot in Grand Theft Auto. And it's, it's, it's more of a country scenario, a country landscape than a city urban landscape. And the filmmaker obviously is a very skilled and talented filmmaker in terms of how to use the camera, how to create shots, how to transition from one shot to the other. But the story is just so anemic. Um, it's so derivative and it takes so long to get the pacing is so slow to get to the next shot it's the kind of thing where the filmmaker was really into their shot they just really liked that shot and so they wanted to hold on to it and because they didn't have feel any obligation to get that story down right they uh just kept it running and going and going so although i found parts of it quite beautiful and quite interesting um once you get past about the 10 minute mark it's skip time to the end but i wanted to share this film with you to get your reactions uh about some of my comments and also the film in general what did you guys think i thought it was a visually very stunning film to look at especially this an early shot where they're on the top of the hill and there's the sun and you just see the silhouettes and yeah shots like that which that's very impressive work um one of the things I actually enjoyed was it's Grand Theft Auto is obviously a game about car chases and crime and all that this kind of stuff. So taking a game that's about that and then telling a horror story, it's got nothing to do with the crime or car chases. I thought it was a very interesting um, choice yeah. because it works. it's got the real modern setting, but you're telling a story that the game isn't really designed for. But that is, I find that interesting because you're taking something that's it's not designed for and telling it turning it around to do something completely different with it. And um, mm-hmm. I, I enjoy seeing uh, films like that. Mm. But yeah, I do find that the story is a I, bit um, slow. Slow is, yeah, slow. To, to be honest, the, the, to me, the beginning part of it was just a series of stills vignettes. Is that the right sort of yeah. description of them? And there were kind of like three threads being told simultaneously. There was this... With, with almost no connection between them for me, the, there was this verbal thread um, being spoken between the, the two main characters. Then this car chase and shooting, um, which seemed to bear no connection to the the characters, other than I think the roles that they were playing, uh, the, you know, the character types that they were playing. There was no connection between the visuals and what they were saying there. And then this other thread was to do with the the music and the duskiness that you saw, which also didn't seem to connect with any of the other two things. So I I struggled a little bit to see where it was going at the beginning. And then at around 8 minutes, 16 seconds, you finally got a credit, which was the title, (laughs) uh, which which was a bit, really... uh, and then this, then it sort of slips into this psychiatric consultation process, which didn't bear any resemblance to any of those three threads. 
which was um, a little bit odd. And then I had to keep watching it because I was thinking, well, it must make a point somewhere. Um, because, uh, you know, the whole thing was about setting a tone for something evil. And um, it never really got there for me. It never really, <laughs> never really, it didn't do anything. It just, you know, it, there was never any latching onto anything evil. So we never really find out what that was or how it happened or why it happened. So I never really got much of an understanding of it. Uh, and then there were some vague references to the pandemic, but I think the images that you saw of rats running were maybe linking that to the bubonic plague, perhaps. And then there was dead bodies everywhere and a bit of warring. So there was a whole kind of metaphoric thing about um, being confined and what might happen as a consequence of a, of a pandemic. But there wasn't really a story. Um, so there were no characters that you could really latch on to. You know, the, no the images... Not really. Yeah. It, was just, it just didn't go anywhere. The image, you know, the, the images were in the end dull and the music haunting, but never really revealed anything for me. Mm. So, yes, I get your point about what's the story. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I got the impression watching this that. That the director <clears throat> has seen a lot of this stuff. I've seen a lot of the movies and TV shows that we have yes. where we see some of these techniques executed to varying degrees of success, but, you know, generally on a professional level, more often than not, they're, they're doing it right. If you know what I mean by right, I simply mean that it's effective. So we've seen movies and TV shows where there's multi threads that, and, and, but there's a certain way of executing that to where, okay, at first maybe the viewer's a little confused, but then you resolve that and you realize how they're connected. Some movies, they wait till late in the movie to do it and some do it within, you know, a 10 or 15 minute span or whatever. But we've seen that and we've seen it done, you know, we've seen it done well. And we've seen people really push that idea, um, you know, uh, uh, Tenet, Christopher Nolan's film, uh, and and uh, prior to that, um, Inception. You know that's like taking it to the extreme degrees, or some of the stuff that Tarantino did in his movies, where time is distorted and there's different threads going on. You don't see how they all connect and stuff like that. Those are masters of that, I think. Mm -hmm. uh, wh whatever you think of them individually as as people, but they're good at that. You know that's that's taking it. You know, that's that's like the ultimate jazz musician version of yeah, yeah. messing around with multi-threads. But we've we've seen that. And it's like I, I got the feeling that the that the filmmaker has seen the surface of that, the the end result of that, and wanted to try to imitate that, but didn't really understand the very, very complex underpinnings that have to be done for that to work. For the viewer, you know, so the end result is it's it's kind of a form that we recognize, but it's confusing instead of uh, enlightening and instead involving. of intriguing or enlightening. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's 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 the the impression that I got a, a few different times in this movie was that this was. This was uh, reaching towards imitation of that, but not fully understanding 
exactly all the work that that goes into something like that. Yeah, we, we talked. So one of you mentioned at some point that there was, uh, I think Tracy, where you mentioned that there's there's a point where some of the the uh, dialogue was vaguely referencing something, right? But mm. not really being clear. You know, you vaguely reference the pandemic, I think, or whatever. Mm. Yeah, and people underestimate the challenge of doing ambiguity in a way that doesn't just tick off the viewer. Yep. Ambiguity can be very powerful and you can get away with not answering all the questions, but it, it's a skill. It's not just, there's a, there's a fine line between artful ambiguity and just being a bad communicator. Yeah. (laughs) And that's not just true in films. That's true in talking to a person, you know, if you ever talk to someone who just doesn't seem to really know how to use words right, it's not about whether they know the language or whatever. They just haven't really, there's thoughtful communication where you're thinking about the fact that there's different ways to interpret different words. And I have to account for that in my speech if I'm going to be understood, or I have to be prepared for some back and forth to clarify that and all that. And so once again, the idea of let's just vaguely, let's just ambiguously refer to, to these things but when that's done right, it's with skill. There's 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 a lot of work that you do to make the viewer okay with that ambiguity because ambiguity is very uncomfortable. You know, we we don't like being told only. You ever see? Do any of you know someone on Facebook who is that person who will come on and post and say, "Well, my day really sucks." <laughs> you know and then like please ask me why somebody you know? <laughs> it's kind of that's like the metaphor of it is yeah, when, yeah, you, yeah. when you're when you're being ambiguous without without artfulness yeah. without skill and i'm not saying the director doesn't have skill doesn't have artfulness i'm just saying that the execution in this uh just there's some homework underneath those yeah those techniques didn't work. that make them work right and yeah. and I, I feel like it, it that it wasn't there, and maybe it's just a young filmmaker, young to filmmaking. Um, you know that that's completely understandable. Well, but I wanted in looking at why didn't this connect as well as it should have. That's probably why. Yeah, I mean, there, there's it. This is not easy stuff. Yeah, well what, put. Well, telling put. stories is not easy. I wanted to say that I didn't I didn't choose this film for us to bash it. Right, that was not my point. I wanted to choose the film because it shows where where somebody has a lot of talent, and also because you know making a machine, making any kind of product is hard, and mm-hmm. a lot of effort went into making this this film. Yes, and a, especially a feature length film, you don't mess around when you've got an hour and a half's worth of content there. A lot of work went into this, but I I wanted us to talk about. So much work went into making it visually attractive, but it seemed like not a lot of work into making the story clear and getting the story elements set up so that ambiguity could be resolved at some point. So you're left with Tracy's reaction, which is these strands that never really come together. I would encourage machinima filmmakers to put as much work, in fact, even more work into your story issue i think becomes well machinima filmmakers are more interested in making the visuals 
because the hard, real hard part is getting the story because they don't have that much experience. We are all, how many, even somebody in their mid-20s has seen literally hundreds of hours of media, television, movies, films, and they know the language. The language yeah. of filmmaking hasn't changed that much. So you know what a wide shot is. You know what a over-the-shoulder coverage. All of that stuff can be duplicated without having to go through film school. You know that. But the harder stuff is the writing. Yes. <laughs> because so much of the great writing is transparent. It, 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 it doesn't reveal itself but through what you're watching, you know? So you have to work at it. And uh, I hope in future episodes we'll be able to help uh, folks with being able to concentrate on that a bit more. But thank you very much for your comments. And uh, I applaud that filmmaker for doing their uh, an excellent, enjoyable film. I just hope they'll in the future they'll put more effort into making their story interesting. All I right, would very much like to see their next project when they release that. Me too. Me too. Yeah. Yeah. Damien, we're uh, looking at a really interesting film you chose, Fallen Angels, a Star Wars short. Tell us yes. about it. So um, a couple of months ago, we talked about uh, a Star Wars fan film contest, um, and we encouraged people to create films and submit to that. And this is the film that won. So we talked about it in our podcast then, but I felt like this is something we should all talk about and review as part of our film section. So I've chosen this one again. It's made with unreal and it, as part of the contest, it has to be three minutes or less. So it's a very short film and it basically follows Darth Vader as he goes to Padme's um, tomb where she's buried. And he's obviously having this, there's no context of why he's there, but he's obviously missing her um, and he's come to remember her. And he gets ambushed by some rebels who basically they see a high value Imperial target and they want to try and take him out. But of course he's Darth Vader. So he, that's not going to end well for them. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I was just so impressed by all of the, all the, all of the um, visuals of it. Um, Cause it looks stunning, but not just the fact that it is graphically impressive, but the, the facial animation, like Darth Vader takes his helmet off and you can see his face and he's, he doesn't say a word, but you can see the feelings that he's experiencing. Very expressive. Just in the way it's, yeah. Uh, and a lot of time has been spent just getting that just right. And the same with the rebel troopers. They, they come in, they're looking a little bit nervous, but they feel like they're going to be confident. And that quickly changes to terror as he turns around to start fighting them. Uh, and that's all told entirely through facial animation. There's no dialogue in the film at all. Uh, and that's a, that's a challenge to do as well. Um, so that's one of the reasons I wanted to, uh, to bring it up because it's just, I thought it was really well done. So what do you guys think of it? There's a lot of heavy breathing in it. <laughs> <laughs> so you know who it is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was really, you know, considering it is so short, I thought it was, it, you know, it demonstrated all the goodies and unreal that you would expect. You mm -hmm. know, the, the lighting and the, you know, the... Um, uh, the shadows and all of all of the way that the light plays out over the, you know, the ray tracing and what have you. Very, very well done. And I think really what I liked about it most, though, was this, you know, it actually conveyed a story in such a short amount of time. I, I did. I, I did. When I first started watching it, though, I didn't know who the character was because it was, you know, you saw the face. So I didn't immediately get that it was um, the man himself. 
Um, and neither did I realise that he was at a, um, at a tomb. So, so that whole beginning part really was a little bit lost on me until the breathing kicked in. Um, and then the bit that impressed me the most was this impending fight between the characters. And, um, you know, the, the, the facial animation on the, on the character, you know, the other characters, not the, not the Vader character was incredibly detailed. I thought oh, that yeah. was really, really well done. Yeah. Um, so, but it was only when, when it panned out at the end that you saw the, the tomb that I suddenly realized that, oh, there's a bigger story here than I'd actually picked up on. So then I had to watch it again. Um, but no, I didn't immediately get the story. It was more than one playthrough for me. Ah. But in, in the end, I thought it was a really nice fan movie, well-made and concise. And the conciseness conciseness of it was kind of what I liked about it. It was a nice snippet that you could imagine being a complete sort of sub-story from within a larger film mm-hmm. about about those soldier characters. I thought point. it was absolutely brilliant. Um, the... The first I watched it twice as well, Tracy. But that's because the the first time that I watched it, I, I assumed that it was that someone had just edited together uh, game cinematics from Star Wars games, like mm-hmm. the the pre rendered type of footage, you know, right. that would be yeah. higher quality than the game itself. And so I was watching it just and kind of just, oh, okay, well, that's good editing. Yeah, that's neat. I wonder which games this was pulled from. Because I haven't played any of the modern Star Wars games. It was so good that I just assumed, okay, so this is professional footage. Someone's edited together. And and then I started watching the credits. I was like, wait, what? And then I read your comment on the board of what this was. And I thought, oh, holy crap. And then watched it again. I mean, it, it's just really, Yeah. What a what a well deserved win yeah. for this person. Absolutely. Just just beautiful. I, I don't know if he had to uh if he had to to whittle this down to make the length requirement or not, but I felt like the length was perfect, honestly. You and the thing is, is a story like this, you could have drawn it out just a bit more sure, sure. for emotion, and it still would have worked. But you know, whatever the original length of this was, if he had to trim it down for three minutes, he trimmed just right. I mean, it, yeah, it's, it's perfect. It, it, it's, uh, I don't know what else to say. It's wonderful. Yep. You know, it, um, the Unreal Engine and the Unity Engine are just perfect uh, tools for machinima filmmakers, but not a lot of machinima filmmakers have um, moved to those engines um, I have some suspicions as to why, but that, that's not what this particular uh, podcast is about. Um, but you, this this film shows you what can be done in machinima with skill, with yeah. being able to correctly... Uh, th- this film had all of the visuals that Confined had, and yet the story was just as good. With a without dialogue, to the point that you believe it, you don't move in and out of your belief of the story you're watching, and you start imagining things inside. For example, um, when Darth Vader realizes that he's being 
that these people are here to kill him, and they're interrupting his moment, his silent moment, grieving or whatever it is. He's, I, in my imagination, he was annoyed when he turned around. Yeah. Now, if you if you watch it a hundred times and you ask the filmmakers, I'll bet you they didn't animate annoyance in there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I read into it because that film drew me into it, you know, and the early part when he sets that down and he, and, and he takes off, it's pretty clear that when he takes off his helmet, he's making himself more vulnerable mm-hmm. and it's a private moment, which you never see in star well not never but you hardly ever see it's rare in right. those. it's rare so what the film did is it suggested stories beyond the story that it was telling yeah you know what i mean so when yeah. that happens you know somebody has got their story elements down right so this is an example of what you can do with a uh, a great game engine like unreal with thinking carefully through the story and then doing great visuals, especially in the the fight sequence. I mean, that was just so good. You could see him just toying with those people, mm-hmm. you know, that sadism that comes, comes out in that character when it comes out. It was magnificent. A really great choice. No wonder they won the award. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes so, me really want to step up my game with Air to the Empire. I was going to say, Damien, I bet it's <laughs> yeah. inspiring, isn't it? It's inspiring. It is. Yeah. You know? It is. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Make sure you want to work in the Unreal. So now from the sublime to the ridiculous, uh, we come to <laughs> Phil's next film. <laughs> Beating Mind just, Yeah. <laughs> Beating, Beating Minecraft the way Mojang intended it. Now that's a mouthful, Phil. <laughs> Tell us all about that. It was this was just me having fun this time. I couldn't find a uh, a serious story pick or a, a you know, a, a true machinima film that I wanted to feature this month. But um, so this is kind of a, it's kind of a let's play. Uh, it's kind of a almost documentary, I guess. I don't know, but uh, it, it's basically the premise is that, uh, you know, Minecraft we've, we've mentioned uh, many times uh, it's been around a long time. It's evolved over the years. It's a sandbox game. There are certain, things that you can do to achieve certain things in the game, but ultimately it's, it's as open world as things get, you know, and uh, this very experienced uh, Minecraft player decided to pick up one of those uh, game guides, the books um, that are published for, for games that are popular like this, of you know, how to, how to play and how to beat this game, you know, how to win. And so the premise is that he sets off to, uh, well, the premise is, is that what that book recommends uh, is not at all what experienced players end up doing with their time <laughs> in the game. So and often so is the case. It, so he found it an interesting <laughs> challenge to try and, and uh, follow along with that. And that's, that in itself is, is for someone who plays Minecraft is probably is, is entertaining. But what really impressed me about this was the, um, the the comedic style he brought uh-huh. to to his editing, in particular, uh, to the the uh, delivery of the the narration, uh, vocal these kind of very frenetic changes in emotion <laughs> as different things happen, and 
when it's something that he has to slog through and do a bunch of stuff. It's just these real quick edits of, you know, oh, he's going to, he's going to uh, harvest some sheep to, to collect some wool. And it's just, and I just, I found myself really chuckling at it and, and enjoying it. And I play the game uh, when I can and love it. So uh, it's particularly uh, entertaining for me because there's some references there that might not make a whole lot of sense if you've never played Minecraft. Um, but overall it's, it's, it's a, it's just a fun jaunt through, you know, s- several kind of core aspects of of the game that someone playing it does encounter. So um, I don't know how it translates to someone who's never played Minecraft. Um, There's probably a lot that's confusing there, but uh, uh, for someone who has played quite a bit, yeah, I, 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 I found that I was able to follow what he was, you know, referring to or being sarcastic about and all that. So I'm, I'm curious. I don't think any of you play Minecraft as much as I do or, or at all. So no, I've, I've never played Minecraft and I enjoyed the film very much uh, with some reservations, of course, but I, I agree with you. Uh, He was very witty. Um, He, he has a really nice editing style that let's play quality makes you interested in the game. And then it's like, Oh, wow, I didn't know you could do that. That's pretty cool. I mean, obviously the, he's gearing towards a younger audience because yeah. he uses the flatulence jokes and, and bits and stuff here and there, but you know, that's so what that's, that's fine. You know, I found myself laughing and smiling at my way through it and wanting to see more stuff by this person. Uh, I'm so fascinated with the Let's Play phenomena in general. It's such a interesting uh, aspect of machinima that I think is pretty yeah. cool. Thanks for choosing it. Yeah, you bet. I think I realize, <laughs> stupid as this sounds, I kind of realize why it's called Minecraft for the first time. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe it? <laughs> so I felt. I actually felt a bit stupid watching it because I'd never actually twigged it because everybody always builds stuff in it. I'd never mm-hmm. connected with the fact that it is actually about mining. Mm-hmm. Who, <laughs> who would have guessed? Anyway, so, who would have guessed? Yeah, quite. Um, that said, I'm you know I'm I've never really been a massive fan of let's plays, and but but what came over with this particular video is this guy is clearly having a lot of fun. Um, an actual fact, it's more of like an instructional, would you call it a tutorial, instructional video? Yeah, yeah. Just it's, about, it's, yeah. It's yeah. almost that, isn't it? Almost, except, you know, he's basically saying don't buy these stupid books because they I bear mean, no resemblance to actually playing the game. Which is Snow know, cones? Build snow cones as weapons? Yeah. That's pretty unique. It's, it's um, but the other thing it kind of reminded me of, except it almost wasn't that either, is more of a speed run without any notion of what a speed run is. And I think the thing that I must sort of comment on, on though, is the fact that the really, you know, the most fascinating thing about this for me also was the speed at which this guy has gathered his community on YouTube. 627,000 followers. Wow. In under two, well, under a year. Under a year. Wow. And he's also been on twitch and he's also been on tiktok and he's got nowhere near that number of followers so you know this guy's got something that clearly the minecrafters really tack into 
Um, so, and I'm not really massively sure about what it is because his other videos are very similar yeah. to this one. Yes. It's kind of instructional, let's play, speed runny type things. So, yeah, interesting. Very interesting. Jamie? I haven't, yeah, I haven't played Minecraft for a long time, but um, so the game's obviously evolved a lot between when I last played it and when this video was made. But um, I think, like all of you, I did. I really enjoyed it. I had a, a good laugh um, watching it through. I thought his timing with his comedy was perfect. It's something we talk about quite a lot when we were discussing uh, comedy uh, videos. It's getting it right is just so difficult, and he's got it perfectly with the way he fast cuts because it'd be so easy to get it wrong and make a very boring yeah, yeah. video. Um, Unfunny. But, yeah, and he did it right because he, he kind of skips over the parts that wouldn't be interesting to watch but are essential to to show but only very briefly like the collecting the, the resources and building things that it's fun to play but not necessarily fun to watch um but yeah he did it really well and uh i can see why it would appeal to minecraft players and um i hope a lot more people enjoy it I, I love that when he died, he died like three times during the video, and it was almost this girlish little, <laughs> which I thought was very, very, very funny. I mean, it it reminded just... me when Phil did his uh, Let's Play. Yeah. He died. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Well, it was yeah. a really nice choice. I really liked that, Phil. Good, good one. Um, you made up for the last... Uh, December choice. Good job. <laughs> Tracy, now you had a short comment you wanted to make about the Matrix Machinima, and then we'll go into Second Live Stomol by Huckleberry Hawks yeah. Uh, Machinima. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I really enjoyed the, the Matrix Awakens um, video. Well, I think it was a Machinima, basically, that yeah. they released at the same time as the Game Awards um, announcement. Um, of the Unity, no, the Unreal um, Five experience. So basically, that that is a machinima that has been captured, I think, uh, using um, uh, PlayStation Five. Um, I think is what they said in the in the actual video. So it's basically uh. a machinima that they've edited together. The comment that I wanted to make really was with regard to an, an interview that Keanu Reeves. Did with uh, Carrie Ann Moss um, at the same time that that machinima film was was released, um, and and it's a really interesting interview where where Reeves is basically saying that it's probably the first time ever that science fact has been ahead of science fiction, and he raises this kind of fascinating point that um, because the the unreal experience is so realistic. It's now almost impossible to tell what's the difference between real and virtual. Um, and, and he sort of makes the point, not in as many words, but he gets to this sort of point of sort of saying, are we now at the limits of creativity with motion capture and virtuality tools? I think it's a really kind of fascinating thing to reflect on and I would guess given you know we've commented on this um, a lot in the recent films that we've reviewed over the last few months really where motion capture is being used with um, facial animation and the quality of the animation and the detail 
on the skin of the the characters that are being used is is so detailed and so lifelike that possibly at skin level that kind of um comment about you know are we at the limits of creativity is possibly quite you know it's probably quite accurate but maybe what we've got is more detail to come at maybe the micro or the macro levels um so you know maybe that's where the where the hole is but i don't know what do you you guys think before i talk about stomach well i think whenever somebody says we're we've reached the limit especially when it comes to art or creativity i'm always dubious of those sorts of comments because somebody can imagine something <laughs> next week that is exactly. completely different yes human yeah. imagination always trumps uh, uh philosophy but i think you're right there is something interesting in that and we might be at a crux uh of technology and art that is going to put us in new directions so I, I i think you're right i think there's something very interesting about that comment yeah i i was it kind of fascinated kind of fascinated me and it's sort of the, something i've been thinking on a little bit in my work as well as to mm. where that where this is next going and we'll have to sort of see as well the months phil, unfold. phil would comment that you know the adult industry <laughs> is going to be taking the a uh, notion of virtual reality to areas that are unimaginable. It's funny that Keanu Reeves did exactly the same in that interview. We'll sit, we'll <laughs> include the show link, but it's a fascinating interview. Okay. Where okay. basically he is talking about that very same thing. So ah. Who'd have thought you'd have been on the same page, eh? Hey, money motivates people. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. That's Indeed. 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 All right. On to your choice at Second yes. Life Machinima Stomol by Huckleberry Hucks. Yes. What do you think? Tell us okay. about it. <laughs> okay. Well, um, this is a very long form machinima, uh, and we've talked about long form machinima before. Um, this to me, <laughs> steady on, this to me has got some. What? Really interesting concepts in it, um, playing with notions of what is real and what is virtual, using Second Life. Um, so it harks back a little bit to that previous comment that I just made. It's it's very cyberpunk aesthetic, um, set in around 2100, from what I can tell. Um, but its presentation is more sort of in a in a sort of detective noir kind of style in it, in its narrative form. So Stommel is a detective recruited to find a lost character who's one of the very few folks that can code and access old media files from the 1990s, which which to me just immediately caught my attention with that kind of interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. However, the film then goes on and on and on a little bit. Um, so it drags every scene out Um to you know to find the various kind of antagonists that there are um littered through the hour and 17 minutes of it um it does have an original soundtrack uh and there's really quite an interestingly choreographed fight around 37 minutes in which i think is quite intriguingly done um like i said overall i thought there were some great concepts uh it had really good potential um, it's just that I think, I think this, this, the context alone wasn't really enough to carry it, and it just lingered a little bit too 
too long for me, really. So I wanted to pick it because I really wanted your thoughts again on, you know, long form storytelling and whether you thought there was enough um, enough story being told through here to carry yeah. something like this off. But but bearing in mind also that um, the the other aspect of this, which which is also what we see in a lot of machinima, and we don't often think about this in in Second Life, is that it it is it is a world in which a certain type of simulated uh, action takes place and the and the folks that are in that virtual in, environment much as though we think it's like a a simulated real world are still uh, acting out that virtual world and this very much plays into that second life um story story world basically um yeah. and the premiere of this was made in world for folks that knew the sim on which it was filmed, which was called Droon. Um, so it was very much a celebration of that Droon world, which is partly why I think mm. the director um, played a lot of the content to do with that uh, that sort of that sim, basically. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with all of your points. Uh, they're very well made, and it, now I understand why you chose the film. Um, I think we haven't covered Second Life enough on our podcast. Mm -hmm. I'd like to do more of that. Um, for some reasons, there's not a lot of Second Life videos on YouTube. They That's tend right. to be more on Vimeo and also in various individual sites. So I'm going to spend time looking through to, to find out uh, more Second Life coverage because I think it is a very interesting uh a place to make films and has a very unique quality to it. That said, I think Stomall suffers from several problems, which you've already encountered, but I'd like to add it. Um, the, the actual rendering in second life is often really hard to, it's really hard to get the rendering quality high in second life. So you occasionally will get this muddy look. And unfortunately the, the, whether it's their original render or whether they re-rendered it to, to create the film, it tended to be somewhat muddy. And because there's no real ability to create, there is, but it's very hard and most people don't do it, to create original lighting in scenes, you have this sort of generalized lighting all the way through it. For example, if we look back at Fallen Angel, the Star Wars short, mm. lighting was used to high success to emphasize that personal moment at the beginning and other areas. In uh, this Second Life video, light, the only lighting that was used was the lighting that was in that set. Mm. And that hurts it as well because that makes all of the scenes the same yeah. unless there's some varied lighting in a particular set. Mm -hmm. So if you choose a long form uh, uh, story, you have to have enough variety to keep people interested all the way through it. Just mm -hmm. on the lighting alone, you're, you're going to be at a disadvantage. I think this could have worked in a shorter episodic. Um, that way you didn't have to worry about it so much. I think mm -hmm. the, the filmmaker should have put more effort into finding variety and solving some of those clunky animation problems that Second Life has, which is gliding. When you walk, for one thing, that's a problem. Um, the sort of almost stop motion animation and the over and the ease in which you can drop in a dance 
uh, thing, a, a dance uh, or a quick animation without adjusting it and the transitions between the two, they can be clunky, which is why I think the most effective Second Life um, uh, machinima tend to be experimental, mm. where the those things aren't as big a deal uh, because you're moving the scene fast and you're creating unusual content, extreme close-ups, lots of color, or documentary shots where they're doing a, a dance. Somebody's doing a dance routine and they're documenting documenting this. Um, so I think there were real problems. I lasted about 18 minutes into it and then went on and skipped all the way through it. But what, what I saw, uh, I, parts of it I enjoyed very much. It was unfortunate that they chose a pretty well-beaten path of the noir detective um, a la Blade Runner um, mm. and then didn't really do a lot with it in terms of the story. They sort of stuck through it, but you pointed all of that out. What, I, what The big thing I'm interested in, and I want to know what you guys think, is that, again, how much of the story came out of the location, the set, and or and how much was pre-planned and then applied to the set? I always find that a fascinating uh, connection and I'm kind of interested whether anybody else felt the same way. Mm. Yeah. I hadn't really thought about that. I don't know is the answer. What'd you guys Ma think? Um, I didn't make it all the way through the film simply because I kind of ran out of time to watch it because it is such a long film. Yes. I was really intrigued by the concept of it. So I do want to watch the rest of it. And um, it was just it was the last film of the ones I, the way I watched the, through them, and so I ran out of time for it, which is, I'm sad to say. But um, the concept of it did intrigue me enough to want to watch the rest of it. I do feel like it did drag out a little bit. The slower, the slower pace of it did hurt it a bit. So I think if it had been cut, the editing had been tighter, they could have worn it down and made it flow better. Um, from what I saw, um. I don't really have much else to say about it other than that, other than because I need to watch the rest of it before I can right. fairly judge it. Right. Yeah, I think a lot of the, uh, you know, the technical aspects of it, a lot of which Ricky already, you know, pointed out the lighting issues and uh, animation stuff. I mean, I don't know if I just, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about that. It's not that it didn't bug me, but I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it because it's, it's, 15 years ago, those were the, exactly the same problems in Second Life. It hasn't changed, which is a little disappointing, um, not for the filmmaker, but for the, with, with Second Life, um, that those, those oddities are still there. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. I know that, that Lyndon and all that went through uh, some pretty tumultuous changes over the years. So... Um, yeah, the, the the thing that that I guess I I couldn't get past was that the lingering. Yeah. <laughs> I do yeah. know what you mean. It was uh, it was ponderous. It really was. It, it it was it was like wading through very heavy water, you know, to to get through it. And, and it is one of those things where my my feelings on that do change a little bit when you know, Tracy reminded me of the fact that this is an actual, 
you know, beloved location in Second Life. And so part of it is, you know, the, the desire to show that off and showcase that. And I get that. Um, but most, I reckon most feature length films, not machinima, but just generally, from what I understand, most of the time they have more story uh, than what they end up being able to put into the final film. There's stuff that ends, you know, there's, that's why every DVD release has deleted scenes and things like that, where it's yeah. like, these were, these were maybe in the director's cut of the film, but ultimately someone went in with an editor's eye and said, we need to optimize this a bit more. So we got to take this scene out. And this scene later only makes sense because of that scene. So we got to remove that too, you know, yeah, yeah, sometimes, yeah. sometimes entire, you know, bit part actors end up, none of their stuff's used because they were all in those auxiliary scenes, you know, and those are the kinds of problems that feature films tend to have, which is, you know, boy, I'd love to tell even more story here, but we've got to optimize this down. And this, this film felt like it had the opposite problem. <laughs> I don't mean that. It, that sounds mean and I don't mean it as, as mean as it sounds, but it's like there wasn't enough story to fill a feature length film here. And so there's this stretchiness that happens to the scene. And I, I don't know if the motivation was, you know, that it's part visual documentary of a virtual world location, or if it was just someone thought, well, a feature length film is about, you know, about 90 to 120 minutes. So we better make sure it's, I, I hope it's not the latter. You know, I hope it was just that, they didn't have anybody that's a merciless editor on their team, which frankly, everybody needs. Yeah. Everybody needs it. But it's and interesting. It's, and it's often not the same person who made the film. Sometimes yeah. it is, but it's often somebody else stepping in and saying, man, this is just too, you got to yep. cut this, cut yep. this back. Um, it had the same problem that confined had yeah, that it, the, the filmmaker was so in love with the shot or the yeah. scene that they just wanted to linger on it. Yeah. I felt like this was, this is a very, this could be a very interesting, if a little bit derivative, you're right, Ricky, the, the noir thing was just a little noir slash blade runner. Like you said, was just a little bit too familiar, but this, this would have been a, a very decent 40 minute story. Yeah. The problem it's is interesting it's, it's an hour 17 or, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. so but it's just, it's just, too much stretch, I think. Yeah, it's interesting that we're both, well, we're all picking up on this sort of fight between, you know, wanting to represent the sim and then telling the story, which which I, I actually think a lot of Second Life machinima does, you know, so there's that kind of struggle between telling a story and showing off what's in the, in the environment that folks have built. Yeah, yeah. You know what I would like to, uh, the reminder that I would like to send to to future filmmakers with that objective in mind is that YouTube has a pause button. And it has, <laughs> and it has a rewind button. And uh -huh. so if people want to see it again, they can go back and see it again or they can uh, pause yeah. it. Like, you don't have to show that <clears throat> for three and a half minutes, you know. Just but give I, a good shot of it. I, I agree with you. On. But I, I think 
Sometimes I'm being flippant, but I, I'm I'm kind of serious too. You know, absolutely. I, I I know what you're saying, but I think sometimes second life can be a, a kind of a closed community, in that the filmmaker knows that the people who are coming to see it are people who really like that sim, or who work in that sim. So they won't, may not mind that extra length and shots because it shows yeah. off the sim and they're happy with it. I think yeah. it's very probable. Yeah. So yeah. there's a feedback loop with the audience happening there. But I think if you step back from it and look at it as a film, I mean, if you're going to put it out on YouTube and call it a film, then you better be ready for people to look at it as a film who may not have any investment in the, the sim at all. Uh, mm-hmm. But I think that the, I'm just trying to ex- figure out why some of those things would be padded like that. And I think that's one of the reasons. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank you. Sure. Well, thanks for picking that. I, once again, I'm just so impressed with the variety and interest of films we had uh, this month. I'm, it's one of the things that I just love about doing this podcast with you guys, because you have all have such different interests and and uh, points to make about your films. Um, I'm happy to start the year off with a strong showing of films, and I hope everybody watching and listening to this uh, enjoy them as well. Uh, We will have uh, transcripts to all of our podcasts, so you can get every one of Phil's Bon Mots. Um, (laughs) And we (laughs) will have links to all of the films. And we're going to, you know, let the filmmakers know. And if they want to come and tell us about it or we'll set up an interview, we'll do that as well. You can contact us at completelymachinima.com. Many different ways. Uh, We'll have comments open on our YouTube uh, until we don't. (laughs) We'll see how that goes. Uh, So thank you very much. Uh, We hope you have a happy new year. Thanks for watching. Yeah, happy new year. And we'll see you next next month. Bye-bye. Happy new year. Bye-bye.